The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. And they said to him, okay, look, uh, what can we do to, to, to do the works of God? No, you don't. It's the work of God that you believe. Singular. So they said to him, all right, then, then what sign do you do okay, that we may see and believe? Boy, you're talking about a dense crowd. No, I give it. It's God's work. Well, you do something then that, will, will, that, that we see, and then we could choose to believe whether you're, you're the one sent or not. Well, first of all, like that's where were you when he fed all you? That's what I'd like to know. Was you, that was a sign at the time. You said it was. You signed of him being the prophet from the Old Testament. Now you want another one. Something that gets, goes further than that. What, what sign would you do so that we would see and believe? What work do you perform? He's already said what that work is. He will give the eternal life. As God in the flesh, as the Son of God, it's His work that you believe. What would you give to this? No, you don't understand. If you believe, it's because I gave it to you. That, that's why. That, this is the gift that, that comes, is the belief. It's sort of confrontational, though, isn't it? This is the work of God that you believe. Okay, well, prove it. You know, the guy just fed tens of thousands of people. Apparently that put no fear in your heart. Maybe if you'd saw him walking on the water the night before, maybe. I don't don't know. Okay. Signs and miracles do not bring belief. They're argued that the signs were done so that people will believe. No, the signs were done for God to get glory. Signs do not make people believe. He already ran into this in chapter 2 when he did miracles there, and he don't trust them because he knows people. Now I'm going to go to Ephesians 2, which you heard me read to the children, or quote to the children. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. I wish, I wish Jesus would have just quoted that to these guys. You're not getting it. Okay? It's by grace. What do I mean by grace? All right? Grace is something you receive but you can never earn. The fancy word for that is merited. Okay? And Paul argues for that. If I pay a wage for what you've done, that's not grace. That's a wage. All right? So it's something free. You do nothing for it. That's the definition of grace. If you have to do the believing in and of yourself, it isn't grace. It's reward for something you do. And these people aren't getting that. Do these things so we can believe. You're not even understanding. Okay? It is a gift from God. Salvation is. Not the result of works. So that no one can boast. Let me put it this way. If it has anything to do with you, you can boast. But because this is about the glory of God, you don't do anything. This is about God getting the glory for your eternal life, not you and your belief. 
1 Peter 1 and 3. Now, I know here, especially those that might be watching or listening, are going to get a little stirred. Okay, and I think I'm putting that mildly. 1 Peter 1 and 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His great mercy, has caused... It's not a response. It's not an effect. Cause, effect. It's not an effect. It's a cause. Us to be born again. It's not an effect of something else. It is a cause in itself. It caused us to be born again to living hope through resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Does it mention you in there anywhere? Me. No. It's cause to be born again. That happens through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Acts 18 and 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. So as many as had been appointed unto eternal life believed. Appointed. We'll keep going. Uh, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 29. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but to suffer on His behalf. That sure destroys that materialistic thing, doesn't it? I mean, that's sort of a side note. Those who think you're coming and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get food and you're going to get your material blessing. He says, no, 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 no. This has been given to you. It's been granted to you to believe and to suffer. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole network It won't preach that one. Okay, but it's granted, it's appointed, it's caused. Well, wait a minute. Don't people have a choice? Absolutely they do. Absolutely. Don't, don't tell me. Pastor said people don't have a choice. I didn't say that. All right? People are free to choose whatever they desire. Here's the question. What do they desire? They will desire that which is consistent with their nature. Thus Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew human nature. Scripture defines the unregenerated, unborn again, unacted upon by God himself, nature of human beings. Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us that the heart the inner man is desperately sick, more deceitful than anything else. Mark 7 says it's full of evil. John 3 says the human heart loves darkness rather than light. Romans 3 tells us that no one, not one person, not one person in their human nature will choose or seek God. All humans are ungodly, Romans 5. Slaves to sin, Romans 6. Dead in sin, Ephesians 2, and are haters of God, Romans 3. There you go. That's what your heart will choose. It'll choose to hate God. It'll choose that slavery it's bound in in sin. It won't seek God. It will seek the darkness rather than the light. It will choose the evil because it is desperately sick and deceptive. You don't like it. I didn't write it. Well, we're all basically good people. Said that on a church near my house. No, we're not. Not according to Scripture. We're, we're broken sinners. 
that are selfish by nature. If you don't believe that, come spend some time with my four grandchildren. I got a thing of M&Ms in my office, and they come into my office, and I open it up. You can have M&Ms. And if there's one of the other grandkids waiting behind them, they want to make sure they get more than the other one behind them. So you think me and grandma's reached under, or maybe your parents told kids, when you get in the M&M jar, get as much as you can. No, it's their na- that's that nature. Give me more food. I'll follow you across the sea if you'll do it. A person will choose that which is consistent with their nature. Human beings will that choose what is consistent with their sinful nature. Romans 3, 10 through 12. It is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There are none who seek God, seek for God. All have turned aside together. They have become useless. There is none who is good. There is not even one. So if somebody wants to tell you you're basically a good person, tell them I'm ashamed. You don't, it's too bad you don't believe Scripture. Now, I know this is hard on the ego. Isn't it? Didn't you want to come to church and be told you feel good about yourself and how you can get your blessing and have your happy life? Because of that, though, 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. The natural man, the fleshly man, The unregenerated man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Why? He cannot, that speaks to ability, understand them because they are spiritually appraised. All right. If you are spiritually dead, you can't. Judge spiritual things because your spirit is dead. Your spirit's not just, now your spirit's not enslaved to sin. Your flesh is. Your spirit's dead, okay? And will not choose the things or even seek after the things. Let me put it the way Jesus said it to Nicodemus in chapter 3. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And it doesn't say if you see the kingdom and you seek it, you can be born again. It says you can't even see it unless you're born again. Which comes first? Which comes first? Born again. That's how you see. Why? Because you're spiritually dead before that. You can't see spiritual things. I hope this just makes simple sense. And by the way, that's John in 3, 3. Okay? In this chapter, in verse 44, this is the way Jesus says it. No one... No one, no one, I'm repeating, 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 can come to me, the one whom he sent, the Father sent, unless, here's a condition, the Father who sent me draws him. That's King James. If I read it into Greek, it would be this way. Uh, unless the Father who sent me drags him. You can look, don't believe me. You go to a strong concordance and look it up yourself. Let me give you some scriptures. When Peter pulls a sword out of his sheath to cut the guy's ear off, did he draw it up? Come on, come on, come on out. Be nice, Lord. No, he grabs that thing and pulls it out. No, we call it drawing a sword, do we not? Okay. But when they drag in their nets full of fish so much so that it's going to tip over their boat. Come on, nets. Now let me woo you in here, nets. Just, just come on, nets. No, you drag those nets. Some versions actually say they drug the nets into their boats. 
when Paul and Silas in chapter 16 are dragged before the chief magistrates. The people grab them in the public market and draw them to the magistrate. Well, you guys, come on over and see the magistrates. Will you just stop by and pay them a visit? It would be good for you. It's better if you do. No, they, they grab them and drag them there. In Acts 21, when Paul's pulled out of the temple to kill him, he is, this word, dragged out of the temple. Same word. Not even a different form. Okay? And in James, they talk about the fellow being drug into court. Because we all want to go to court. You know. Okay? I want you to understand the implications of the word here. We say draw, but even when we say draw, like drawing nets in or drawing a sword, we're not meaning wooing, coercing, convincing. We, don't even, we aren't even using it that way. Okay? No man comes to Christ, the one whom the Father has sent, unless the Father drags him there. In what sense? In this sense, your flesh will not want to go. He has to do something to change who you are to get you to come. Titus 3 and 5. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we did in righteousness. Did you notice that? It's not deeds we did, 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 deeds we did for the right reason. Good deeds, not that at all, but according with his mercy. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. Let me, regeneration, let me put it in Jesus' words. Born again. Not on what you do, but by the mercy of God, not giving what you, what you should get based on what you do. Okay? But by the washing of regeneration. Well, wait a minute, preacher. I, I thought we had to repent. You do. Okay, but you have to ask two questions. What is repentance? Repentance is just feeling sorry that you got caught. No, 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 no. Okay, repentance is change. And the literal word means change of mind, but it's more than that. It's regeneration. It's being born again. It's a new person that's changed the well. Let me put it the way. You will choose what you desire when he's changed you but you will desire different things. Now your spiritual eyes are open and you can see the kingdom of God and now you desire the kingdom of God. Okay. So how does one repent? Regeneration initiates repentance. Not repentance initiates regeneration. Okay. Even in Jesus' own words, you can't see it unless you're regenerated, born again. Okay. In John 6, where we're at, verse 65. And Jesus was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one can come unto me. Does that sound familiar? That was verse 44, verse 65. No one can be, unless it has been granted him from the Father. Does that language sound familiar? It's a grant. The only way he can come, he drags, but now he grants. 1 Corinthians 2 and 13. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that 
we may know the things freely given to us by God. Well, so me knowing the things given to us by God, just, no, 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 no. It's the Spirit given to me that I can know the things that were freely given. Now, why am I using so much Scripture? Because there's a great consternation in the body of Christ, in the church, about this. And I can stand up here and give you 32 opinions, or I can read Scripture. Okay? And if you have scriptures that you want to say, and you can, and that's totally your right, say, this scripture argues against us. Let's sit down and have a conversation. I will address your scriptures that you want to bring this into question. That's fine. But you cannot use those scriptures to bypass these ones. You have to answer these ones, and I will answer yours. I, I, maybe I'll answer yours first. It doesn't matter the order. But you don't get to use these scriptures to negate these ones. So often when I get in this dialogue with people on this, I, this doctrine, I'll give them the scripture. Yeah, but it says over here, I understand that. Would you please address this one? I'll answer how that one fits with these. You've got to tell me how these fit with that. Usually, usually, people I love dearly bypass them. They want to jump to another scripture that says it proves these ones wrong. Then the Bible's full of contradiction, and you have an issue. But, of course, maybe that doesn't matter as some of you, and I don't remember if I mentioned this last week, but I sure did on Wednesday night, a new Barnum survey. It shows 37% of senior pastors self-describe themselves as having a biblical worldview. That means 63% say of themselves, senior pastors, they don't have a biblical worldview. Youth pastors, 12% claim to have a biblical worldview. Be careful where you send your kid. Well, only 12% of youth pastors say they have a biblical worldview. Let's stay on the Bible. And if you've got contradictions, you better find a way to fix that or just give up on Christianity. There's your options. I oh, mean, I got off base there. Okay? 2 Timothy 1 and 9. And I know, I know time's up. I'm getting close. He who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Why does he call us? Not according to our works. Boy, I'd like to said that to this crowd. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. When was this grace granted? Yeah. It has been his purpose from the beginning. So let me go on. When did God determine this? Who he's going to regenerate, open the eyes of, bring spiritually alive in so they can see the kingdom, to understand the things of God, because their flesh can't. When does he do that? Ephesians 1, 4 and 6. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, not your choosing. It's to the glory of His grace. So He will receive the glory, so you can't boast, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Ephesians 2, 4 and 9. But God, being rich in mercy, 
because of his great love, which he, in which he loved us, even when, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even while we were spiritually dead in time, made us alive with Christ. Now, how can that be? How can I be dead in sin and alive? One's speaking temporally, and the other is speaking eternally. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. When? Long time ago. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith. That not of yourselves. Romans 5 and 6. For while we were still sinners, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Thessalonians 2, 1 and 13. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in truth. This crowd don't get it. See, they're wanting the material things that they think Jesus can offer. So therefore, they want to know what they have to do to get those material things. And you're missing it, buddy. Here's why. Because you're spiritually dead and you can't see the spiritual I'm talking about. You might as well just go bang your head against the wall of that synagogue in their Capernaum because you're not going to get it. Oh, yeah, Jesus. why does Jesus speak in parables? Jesus tells his disciples. Because if I didn't speak in parables, their eyes might be open and believe, and I don't want them to. You read it. I speak in parables so they don't get it. <gasps> oh, that's not fair. Where does the Bible say Jesus is fair? It says he's just, and then he pardons by grace. Not because of fairness. Okay? We don't do anything to earn, to cause God, to, so that God's salvation is an effect of what we do. We're the cause. He's the, his salvation is the effect. And we don't come to him because what we think he can do for us in this life. Well, you have this empty void, and I know, I know you just want to feel fulfilled. So come to Jesus. I'm sorry, you coming for the wrong reason. Not, he doesn't come to fill your void. He's not here to give anything to you in the natural. No, I'm going to admit this. There are byproducts of God's regeneration, God's salvation, that happens in my physical life. But it sure ain't material blessings, I can tell you that much. And it isn't always peace. Because you have those weeks where the washer breaks down, the car crashes, you know, one of the kids told that they hate you. Or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, that week you're not so much in peace. But you can have peace. All right? It is not for the physical world that he came to save. He came to regenerate and save through the work of Jesus on the cross that we might live eternally with him there. Okay, In a new heaven, in a new earth, I understand that's not always just in heaven. But we too often in our culture, we look at Christ's work on the cross to answer our problems now. 
to give us what we want now, you have missed it. Because it isn't about you. Salvation, regeneration, okay, God's bringing us to is about Him. That in by His work, by His eternal call, by what He did eons and eons before time, He receives the glory. That's it. If I ask you, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, you see, because in 1975 or 85 or 95, I went down to an altar. Whoa, stop. I'm glad you were so smart. I'm glad the guy sitting next to you, or you were smarter than the guy sitting next to you who didn't go up front. No, no, no. The reason you know you're saved, because Jesus came, the Holy Spirit came, sent by the Father to transform who you are in spite of you. You did nothing to deserve regeneration, born again, made new in Christ. You did nothing for that. It was a pure act of God. So when somebody asks you, how do you know to go to heaven? Because God radically changed me in spite of me. How would you like it? Would you like to join? Submit your life to Jesus Christ. He is Lord. Your will no longer matters. Your desires, what you want, take second place. You can come into heaven with me. Put your stuff aside. Put Christ first. Can I, can I just go up front? You tell me a prayer to pray and I repeat it? I'll sign the card. That ain't what it's about. It has been appointed us to suffer with him. Jesus Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself and took on the point of servant. Philippians chapter 2. Okay? He, we, he calls us to be that. To put aside our own will, our own desires, and let his heart his desires overwhelm us that we would seek His glory and the will of Him who called us. Please stand. God, I thank You that You didn't wait till I was seeking You before you grab hold of me and drug me. God, I thank you that your grace has nothing to do with me. That when you made me new, you did it in and of yourself by the work of Christ. Because God, if you're the one that did it, not me, I'm not the one that has to keep it. There's nothing I could do to make it stay you do it. You do it all. Father, I pray that in our hearts today, that all those listening, watching, sitting here, will walk out of this place giving glory to you for their regeneration. Recognize they weren't that smart. They weren't that wise. They weren't more intelligent. And even their belief was given by you. And therefore, God, the glory belongs to you. Christ's name I pray. Amen. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's unchanging word.